My name is Wopsle. I'm the youth pastor here, and I just want to uh, say a special welcome to you today. I have a son. I have a seven-month-old son right now named Coda. He was born roughly seven months ago, I guess is how the math there works. And um, he's just figuring stuff out, right? Like he only has a few months worth of like evidence to go on in this world. And so um, the other day I was, get, I was running the bath for him and as the water was running, my bathtub was one of those where when you turn the water on full blast, uh, like the water comes out in like a straight thing and goes straight down the, down the drain. Have you ever had one of those where like it looks like an icicle almost? Like it looks solid, right? It looks like a solid sheet of ice or something. And so Coda's sitting there and as the water's filling up, he, he looks at it and he reaches out to try to grab it. And of course, when he does, like it, it, it goes all wonky, right? Because it's, it's, it's water, it's not actually solid. And so remember, it kind of got him in the face and he looks and he's like trying in his mind so hard to comprehend what could be going on here. Because for seven months now, I've learned if I see something, I can reach out and grab it and like hold it. But yet this looks like I should be able to reach out and grab it. And when I try, I can't. And his little bitty sweet mind was just trying to wrap his mind around this. And he can't understand fluid dynamics. He can't understand even though it looks solid, it's actually not solid, it's liquid. And so I just loved this thing of him sitting there and like something that he had learned is very concrete for a lot of months now all of a sudden was being shook. I thought that was really cool. I think the same thing happens to us as well. And so I have just a couple of examples here that I want to give you. Um, The first one is, it's probably when you were around 15 or 16 years old, you learned or you were taught by somebody that um, when you're driving, using your blinker is mandatory. And then once you started driving for a while, you looked around and you realized, oh, wow, using your blinker is optional, apparently. Um, you don't have to let anybody know what you're doing. The road is yours and everyone will get out of your way. And so you, you learned that although you were taught it's mandatory, apparently it's not. And then you get a little bit older and you just leave it on one way the whole time. And you're assuming, well, at least half the time it'll be right. Um, sometimes we learn things or we're taught things that then we find out aren't exactly true. Here's another good example. Many of us, especially you men, were taught how to operate within the household, probably by your mother, Right. What do you do with your dirty clothes when you take them off? How do you do laundry? What do you do with your dishes? What do you do with the toilet seat? That's a big one, right? um, Lots of rules there. And then one day, by the grace of God, men, we get married. We learn how wrong we've been all of our lives. Like none of our rules count. Now your socks go here and all this stuff. And so we've operated under one set of rules our whole lives. And then we get shook and realize actually what we thought we knew is not quite as concrete as what we thought we knew. I think it's good. I think it's healthy for us. And so I want to commend you and us as a church body. I feel like this whole series about shifting, gaining a godly perspective, I felt like we've really been willing to do that. I feel like every week we've come and sat here together and said, you know what, God, you may have something for me that I don't quite know yet. And I'm willing to to hear you out and maybe change my perspective. Because you know what's true? Here's truth for you, church, right now. My seven-month-old is much closer to understanding fluid dynamics than we are to understanding God. We've got a lot to learn from him. And so we should sit here every single week and be willing to shift our perspective into something new that will be better for us and more in line with how God sees things. So just a quick little recap. Week one, Bill talked about loving others and how we should shift our perspective on how we do that in a very challenging sermon. Week two, Adam shared about the social injustices in the world and how we should have those on our radar and how we can engage with those. Week three, Adam preached a a challenging sermon on shifting our perspective of parenting. And I've still been rocked by it because I am trying to parent and it's not as easy as as advertised. And so um, 
I was much easier on my, mar- my mom. I don't know why my kids are so tough. But um, in the last, last week, Bill gave such a clear picture on shifting our perspective on marriage. And he talked about the myths that we adhere to that aren't true about marriage and how we should shift from those. They've all four been great. If you've missed any of them, please, I beg you, go back and listen because I promise you, you'll be better off for them. And so today, as we finish this series called Shift, I want to try to spend the next little bit shifting your perspective on yourself. I want to make you feel differently about you when you leave here than you did when you walked in. And specifically, I want to try to convince you today that you're little, that you're, that you're small, that you're even insignificant. You probably didn't pop your head off the pillow today and say, man, I really hope at church they tell me I'm insignificant today. That's going to be awesome. Um, but I hope that it's more encouraging than that. But I do hope you leave here feeling somewhat insignificant. Because I believe if we can acknowledge and really quantify how small and insignificant we are, it only increases how incredible it is that our creator knows how many hairs are on our heads and that he knit us together in our mother's womb. If we're really important, well, of course God knows how many hairs on my head. But if we're not, it's that much more beautiful that he knows those things about us. So the first thing is I want to convince you you're insignificant. And the second thing I want to say, well, then what then? Then what do we do? How do we go about life? What do we do for God or in this world if, if we're not that important? Well, look at what it says in Psalm 50. I think this is a great launch pad for God telling us a little bit about who he is. I think it also informs who we are. He says this, God says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens for every animal in the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the field are mine. Here's the most important part. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world is mine and all that is in it. I love that last part because God says this. He says, listen, I've got everything I need. I'm good to go. I'm self-sustaining. You don't worry about me. Because even if I was hungry, even if somehow I woke up one day and found myself in need of something, I wouldn't bug you about it because you can't meet my needs anyway. God is fully complete. He is fully confident. He is, there's nothing we can do to add to his happiness, to his completeness. He, he is He is perfect. God says, even if somehow I found myself in need, you couldn't provide that anyway. So stop thinking that you can bring me something or give me something that's going to make me better or more complete or happy. He is and has all that stuff. So if God has, is everything, then what can we possibly do? Here's what we're going to do is we're going to take a short trip into our galaxy right fast. I forgot to pick up this very important golf ball right here. Um... We're going to take a short trip into our galaxy uh, to kind of put some things in perspective. We're going to start out with our sun. Here's a picture of our sun. You know our sun well. It's up there in the sky some days. Um, Our sun is, let me make sure I get this right. Our sun is 93 million miles away. We can't really comprehend how far that is. It's really hard to comprehend these big numbers. But here's what we know is light travels pretty fast, in case you haven't heard. Um, And light from the sun takes eight minutes to get here. Like if it burned out right now, it would take eight minutes before it went dark here. So that kind of proves to you that it's pretty far. The sun is almost a million times larger than the the earth. It's 960,000 times larger. Um, If the earth were the size of a golf ball, then one of these little divots on here would be about the size of Oklahoma. And then maybe there would be just a microscopic pinpoint in the middle of one of these divots that would be us sitting here today, okay? So if the earth is the size of a golf ball, we're living in one of these little bitty divots. 
then it would take 3,000 golf balls to make up the size of the sun. It's enough to fill up a school bus. That's how big our sun is in comparison to our earth, that we're just a tiny little bitty speck on in the first place. Our sun is pretty big in comparison to earth, but you know, as far as stars go, our sun is actually on the smaller side. So if you came to church today wanting to have a favorite star, which you probably did, then I've got the next star is going to be your favorite star because it's called, you ready for this? Beetlejuice. This is Beetlejuice right here. Beetlejuice is 427 light years away from earth. Again, we can't comprehend how long of a distance a light year is, but to give you a little perspective, our sun is 0.000015 light years away. And Beetlejuice here is 427 light years away. This thing is way out there and that alone should make you realize the universe is bigger than we ever give it credit for. Beetlejuice is twice the size, not of our sun, Betelgeuse is twice the size of the Earth's orbit around the sun. So the Earth is orbiting. Think about how big that circle is. Betelgeuse is twice of those. Betelgeuse dwarfs our solar system. And to say it dwarfs our Earth is an understatement. If the Earth were the size of a golf ball, there's a little divot in there that we all live in this little bitty pinpoint on, um, then Betelgeuse would be the height of the Cityplex Tower 13 times on top of itself. And if you're not moved by that, then maybe next time you're in that part of town, you should grab that golf ball that's floating around in your console. You're not sure how it got there and go put it at the foot of the cityplex and step back and look at how tall that is in comparison to this dinky little earth that we live on. And then imagine 13 more of those towers on top of one another. And that's how big this average sized star called Betelgeuse is in comparison to our earth. Guys, our earth is small, and on our earth, we are even smaller. Let me tell you about one more star that I think it has a cool name. This also is not the biggest star, but it's getting really up there. This one's called Musifi. It's a great name, Musifi. Musifi is 3,000 light years away. It's that bright one way up there in the far left. It's so far away, we can't get a good picture of just it, so we only have the family photo here of everyone there. Um, Musifi is, if the earth were the size of a golf ball, we live in one little bitty divot in here, um, then Musifi would be three and a half miles wide. That's the distance from where you're sitting right now to the food court in the Woodland Hills Mall. That's how big Musifi is in comparison to our little bitty dinky earth. Like the earth almost ceases to exist when you're talking about that kind of scale, right? It's huge and there's so much going on and we can't comprehend how big our universe is. I've got a little video that I want to show you that kind of puts into perspective um, each celestial body. We're going to start in our own solar system and then go into some stars. I'm going to narrate over it to give you some kind of feedback or some, some, some interesting things. So first of all, I didn't kind of realize exactly how small Mars is in comparison to Earth, right? Like it's, it's kind of dinky as it is. So there's Earth. You know it well, every life that has ever lived that we know of happened on that planet. Look how quickly the Earth within our own solar system gets small. Neptune and Saturn already dwarf Earth. And Jupiter's the coolest looking one. You gotta think the sun can't be that much bigger. Look at that. Look at how much bigger our star called the sun is. You'll notice on the right, there's a little blue speck. That's Neptune, that's not even the Earth. The Earth is already lost in how big just our sun is. I told you it's small. They're serious. They uh, broadcast radio 
from there. Pollock. So again, now even our sun is pretty well. You can't see it because it's so small. Look how big this is coming in. Arcturus. This beautiful blue star called Regal. What a great name for a star. And then you know him. This is your new best friend. Betelgeuse. How much bigger he is than this. And so then we go on to even bigger stars than him. And Terrace. And they look like, it's mind-boggling. This one is our friend Musifi. This is his little brother, WCFI. And then lastly, this is the biggest star that we've found so far, and probably not the biggest one in the universe, called Canis Majoris, which you probably know means big dog star in Latin. Um, so we underestimate how big our solar system is. And we overestimate how big we are and how big our world is. Y'all, we are microscopic. Are you feeling small yet? Listen here, if, if the universe was made for us, it's a little oversized, okay? But if the universe was made for God, and if it was made to display his glory and tell of his fame, I think the universe is about the right size. So what I wanna do next is I wanna show you, play you some things that are going on right now in the universe that I think are interesting to me. Um, the first thing I want to show you is a thing called the Vela Pulsar. Now, a pulsar, and, and quickly, is, is a star that explodes with so much force that it creates a gravity in the middle, so it implodes really quickly, and it implodes with such force that it explodes again because there's all this kind of force going back and forth. And so it ends up kind of spinning, sort of, with this explosion and implosion, and it shoots out these things. So you see how it's a circle, and there's these, this kind of line going that way? So a pulsar is a star that's exploded and imploded, and it starts spinning and shooting out these thing, these sounds. Um, the Vela Pulsar, which is pictured here, just happens to spin 11 times per second. So it's pretty fast. They spin all different kinds. But, but right now, as we sit here, as we're worshiping in church this morning, this is what the Vela Pulsar is doing. So that's 11 times per second. These little clicks are those little shoots it's shooting out. And this is all it's doing. You may not be that overwhelmed with this, and that's okay. You shouldn't be. It's just clicking. But let me read to you what Psalm 148 says. And this is what we're really talking about today is Psalm 148. So if you're making a mental note, Psalm 148 is where you want to be. Look what it says in verse 3. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. I don't know that the Bela Pulsar has, um, has consciousness, but here's what I like to think happened. The Vela Pulsar is some kind of star setting out there. And so one day they get wind of Psalm 148 and they say, we're supposed to praise him. What can we do? I don't know. What if we exploded and imploded over and over and over and started making this clicking noise? Like if that's all we can do, let's do that. And this is the response that we get. And I believe that this is Psalm 148. Praise him, all you stars. That's what the Vela Pulsar is doing. Let me show you another area of stars that I think is interesting. Um, this, there's, a, there's a neighborhood uh, in the galaxy called 47 Tuck. And within that neighborhood, there's one little cul-de-sac. This is, this is the neighborhood right here. 
mean, there's so many stars you can't even handle it. Right in the middle, that's one little cul-de-sac that a few uh, that a few pulsars live on, and they're spinning around, and they're spinning, are you ready for this, 23 times every millisecond. So they're spinning so fast you can't even wrap your mind around it at all. But what they're doing is their spinning doesn't come across as clicks, it come across as, comes across as tones because it's so fast. And there's 16 of them in this one cul-de-sac, and they're all these little bit different tones from one another. And so this is what it sounds like. Right now, as we're sitting here, this is what 47 Tuck, one little cul-de-sac out there is doing. So what this is, is this is a sweep of the cul-de-sac. So you're hearing kind of each household making their own tone, right? And then they kind of overlap while you're getting to the next household. Now we can acknowledge, this is a little creepy. There's some minor keys in here and some kind of squirrely deals, but I think it's so cool that not only does God have a rhythm section, but God has a string section. Just up there making these tones. Let me read to you again what Psalm 148 says as the string section's going on. I hope that this is equal parts creepy, but also awesome to you because these are what these stars are doing. Look what Psalm 148 says. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths. So we're talking about the highest of the highs in this out there and stuff up there as high as we can comprehend worshiping him. And then we go down and kind of what we would consider low is like the bottom of the ocean. And so here the psalmist says, praise him stars, but also on the earth and like in the depths of the sea, also praise him there. So I know that you all have heard whales. This isn't gonna be that shocking to you, but I do wanna play you what some whales sound like. Pretty cool. I feel like whales ask a lot of questions. They're like, hmm? And so. So these are whales. Maybe they're communicating with one another about where some plankton are. Maybe they're ordering at the drive-thru of Carl's Jr. I don't know what these sounds are actually doing, but I think they're pretty similar to what those stars were doing. And the whales got word of Psalm 148 and it says, praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all ocean depths. And the whale said, well, that's us. We're in the ocean depths. Let's do the best we can to praise him and tell of his glory. So they just start making the sounds that they can make. I think it's beautiful. And so what would it be like to hear some of this stuff we've just talked about from God's perspective? Maybe a little noisy, but let's listen to it anyway. And to be fair, I wanna give a little disclaimer here. This next part, I saw somebody do another, somebody else do one time. And whenever I sat there and listened to them do it, I didn't believe it. I said, this is cute and all, but you're lying to us and I don't appreciate it. So I went home and I went to NASA's website and downloaded all these star sounds. This isn't off like coolsermons.com. This is off of nasa.gov. And I took the things and put them in GarageBand on my computer myself and made all of what you're about to hear myself. 
So if you don't believe me, that's okay. I didn't believe me when I was in your seat either. But he didn't give this big long disclaimer that I'm giving you right now. I'm telling you, I went to NASA's website, downloaded these sounds, and did in GarageBand without editing anything what you're about to hear. So we're going to build something of what this could sound like from God's perspective. First thing I want to play is something we didn't talk about, but it's this guy right here. This is a, a, a pulsar called PSR 329-54. Um, it's not that interesting of a pulsar, but it's got a good beat to it, right? This rotates about once per second, so I just needed a good backbone. Every, every band has to have a good backbone. So the next I want to play you this Vela pulsar we talked about, right? This is the one that's spinning 11 times per second. So I don't want to edit it to, I didn't change anything about it other than I just took this and slowed it down to be in line with our PSR 329 friend. And so it sounds like this. So this is the Vela Pulsar, just a little slower, but unedited other than that. So we've already kind of got something, don't we? Already now we kind of got like a, like your head kind of starts bobbing and pretty good. Well. Now I want to bring in the strings, which admittedly is a bit creepy, but I do think this is how God is listening to this right now. So you've got these drums, you've got these strings, and then the whales get involved as well. I think this is really cool and kind of moving. But this next part that I want to do is the part that you're not going to believe unless you trust me, which I ask you to do. Those darn strings are just not very pleasing to our human ears, right? I think God thinks this is beautiful. I think that we're kind of on the fence about it. So what I want to do, what, here's all that we did is we took those strings and rearranged them and auto-tuned them a tiny bit. But other than that, we didn't alter the sound that they're making. And this is, what, this is what we got. We just wanted to make it sound a little bit more like something that we might would know. Let me get rid of those guys. So, this is just something that sounds more like something that we would actually hear. But other than that, it's unedited. So, here is what I want to do. Now this sounds pleasing to God's ears and to our ears. Everybody wins. I want to read to you Psalm 148 again as we listen to what creation may sound like as God's listening across the universe. Psalm 148 says this, Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths. Kings of the earth and all people, you princes and rulers of the earth, young men and women, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above the earth and the heavens. Finally, we get involved, people. The first part of Psalm 148 says the stars are doing it and the whales are doing it. And then verse 11 finally says, and also the people are doing it. The kings and the young men and the old men and the women and children, the people get to join into the symphony that's already built and we get to sing as well. So when you take all of Psalm 148 into account, I wonder if what God actually hears might sound something similar to this. 
How great is our God Sing with me How great is our God And all will see How great, how great is our God You know the song you want to sing with me And with the whales and the stars Let's sing together How great is our God Sing with me How great is our God And all will see How great, how great is our God Sing it again, how great Together, all together How great is our God Sing with me How great is our God And all will see How great, how great is our God If you've got a pulse, uh, you should be pretty moved by the fact that this creation is doing what it's meant to do and all that it, it's bringing all that it can, which is enough. And the fact that we get to join in with them and sing on top of that is huge. Listen, the world tells us, um, the world tells you that you are the most important person and the only thing going. In fact, billions of dollars are spent on advertising every single year to convince you that you are the center of the universe and that your needs are all that matter and that you are the most important. And so that's what I want to try to convince you that you are insignificant. Because to me, it's kind of freeing. It's freeing to know that every little bitty decision that I make isn't going to throw the universe out of whack. That the whales are gonna sing the same no matter what I do. Now our decisions matter and our relationships matter and we should take seriously how we go about our daily lives, absolutely. But we are not the center of the universe and there's someone who is and he's on the throne and he's in control and we can't do anything to change that. I, th I think it's freeing. Our decisions don't carry the weight of the world on our shoulders so we get to stop feeling like they do. Tomorrow morning, you don't have to Instagram breakfast because nobody cares what you ate. Like, just eat it. It's okay. There are so many forces in our world convincing you that it's all about you. And it's not. Man, are we small. So here's the most encouraging thing to me. I heard someone told me earlier, he said, he said I believe I'll leave here today feeling insignificant and encouraged. I said, that's a, pretty good, that's a pretty good combo. Here's what's encouraging is this. There is a symphony being played all throughout creation. It's happening. And whether you want it to or not, it's happening. Whether you're acknowledging or not, it's happening. Like whether you've ever heard about the fact that these things are doing these things, it's all happening with or without you. And the beautiful thing is then God says, hey, the stars are doing what they can and the whales are adding in what they can. Hey, people, add in what you can to display the glory of God. And I think that's awesome. 
I think that's a great place to be. Our insignificance does not mean that we don't matter. No, on the contrary, God formed us in his own image. He didn't do that with anything else in creation. He literally breathed life into us. He didn't do that with anything else in creation. He sent his son to die on a cross to save us. He didn't do that with the rest of creation. So we absolutely hold a special place in our relationship with our creator. But it does not make the world revolve around us. It only proves the point that the world revolves around him and that he's good, not us. Let me pray for us as we close here today. God, I I pray that today you would humble us. God, we invite you in to remind us of how small we are, God, and how big what you've created actually is because, because, God, then we will truly appreciate the relationship that you've built with us. God, we thank you that you are close even at these times. God, we thank you that even when we think we're important, that we're not, that you're right there with us, God. So God, again, we thank you that you came to save us when we didn't deserve it. God, we thank you that you know us even when we're insignificant. God, we thank you that you direct us even more specifically than you do the stars. God, my prayer is that we would respond quickly and accurately to that leading. God, we give you the rest of our days, the rest of our lives. And we ask that we could just do our best to bring what we can to join in with the symphony that's already going on around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.